Scott Bauer, the CEO of Prosper Trading Academy, is joining us this Monday morning. Scott, welcome. We started off the show. Good morning. We started off the show talking about earnings, eco data, and rates on the rise. I think it's important not to leave out the strength we've seen in the U.S. dollar, though. We're talking 20-year uh, highs. Absolutely, and and it's got so many tailwinds right now, Ben. You know, probably underscored by the geopolitical risk all of the economic strife maybe going on in other parts of the world. We saw the data coming out of China last night, which was actually very, very weak. So, you know, all sorts of tailwinds here. We talked over the last couple of weeks that this new range for the dollar, maybe we're looking at 103, 105. Well, we've reached the top end of that, hmm. uh, actually broke through there. Now maybe that's pushing up a little bit. Now maybe we're going to see a 104, 106 area or so. but. You know, the safe haven uh, that you guys were just talking about, I mean, that is in full force. And you contrast that to what's happening with gold also. And I know gold and the dollar, you know, they don't they don't necessarily work hand in hand. But, you know, for, for all the gold bulls out there that would have thought that this is the safe haven, given all the geopolitical risks, the dollar is king right now. Yeah, you know, I want to just uh, take a quick look here in terms of gold as it has, well, recently came off the high. We saw up around 2078. And uh, as I just pull up the dollar index here, and again, just kind of looking at price activity since the beginning of the year uh, with the dollar strengthening here. And well, recently gold coming off, as mentioned, that upper level. Give me just one second as I get this chart up for us to take a look at here. And, uh, you know, Scott, I think it's also, well, key to remember that uh, when you're talking about strength in the U.S. dollar, uh, you mentioned that safe haven type tendency, but before the break, I'm not sure if you heard, but we were actually talking quite a bit about um, the uh, euro currency, the ECB, and how, uh, well, they've been so dovish. You mentioned uh, China, ultimately. I mean, here's that look. I've got the dollar on the right, gold on the left. You can see it has come off as the dollar's uh, been holding firm here. But uh, talk to us about, uh, I mean, just the differential, the discrepancies we've been seeing in terms of central banks uh, when you're talking about Asia versus uh, the U.S. I mean, you've got Fed Chair Jerome Powell fighting off, uh, you know, expectations or thoughts of a, a three-quarter basis point rate hike. And you've got uh, Japan and China ultimately uh, lowering mortgage rates and some of the extreme nature or steps they've had to take to kind of stimulate the economy. No, it's a complete, complete diversion between what's going on here and pretty much the rest of the world, whether you're looking at Euro or, or in the you know, Asian region here, that the aggressiveness of our Fed and necessary, you know, it is necessary is so different from what's going on in the rest of the world. So that's another reason that the dollar is so strong. And you, know, you look at the Euro, the Euro has rallied just a tad here. I think it's what, just, just over 104 or so, or so. But, but it's really close to that low that we saw last week at 103 and a half mm -hmm. or so, the lowest that we've seen in about five years. So, you know, you're looking at, at weakness, regardless of whether you're looking at the Euro, the pound, or some of the Asian currencies. And talking about the Asian currencies, one that I like to talk a lot about is the Aussie dollar. And boy, oh boy, did that just take a beating. I want to pull that chart as well. Uh, and I have that a bit more readily available here. Take a look here at the Aussie dollar 6A. As Scott mentioned, it has come under pressure. Here's a look at the move lower we've seen as they failed around that 7,700 level. Scott, it looks to me like 
Uh, since topping out there, we're talking about at the beginning of April, they've only been positive, what is it, seven days since the beginning of April. That is quite the slide. Again, I hadn't really been paying too much attention to uh, the Aussie. I'm glad you brought that back onto our radar here. But I did want to just kind of cycle through a couple of the other currencies that Scott mentioned. Look, the Canadian dollar coming under pressure, even with crude oil holding up around the 110 right. level. That's interesting. They mentioned the yen. And again, it did seem like last week we got a little bit of a uh, type of safe haven type bid here. As a look at the euro currency, we looked at that. Again, the dollar, uh, which has been coming under, uh, again, quite the lift here. The New Zealand dollar, here it is as well. And just one more I wanted to point out, Scott, you mentioned the British pound there. Uh, well, have been taking a hit here. Let's talk a little bit about rates. Last week we saw the 30-year up to 3.27. Uh, we've got it holding about 3% this morning. Last I looked, and yeah, three spot zero eight. The TNX at 2.9. Scott, where do we go from here? I mean, uh, is the Fed going to continue on this path? If so, in theory, these rates in this dollar could remain elevated for some time now. They, they could, and they and they most likely will. And okay. I, I still don't understand, Ben, and we've had this conversation. If we know with, with some pretty high probability, at least it seems that Powell and the Fed are going to go 50-50, maybe another 50, I just think personally that it is longer term better for this market if they just rip the Band-Aid off. Mm -hmm. They know it's coming. We know it's coming. Why, why is he taking 75 off the table? I, I don't understand that. And, and I think that because of the 50-50-50, there's such an underpinning in rates here. There, there's such pressure on rates here. The fact that, that the 10-year actually last week, at the end of the week on the big market equity rally, dipped below 3%, mm -hmm. that was actually a little inter very interesting to me because – you know, it, it, we know it's going up. We we know there's so much pressure. There's selling of bonds. The rate rates are going up. So you know, the fact that it dipped down what is, was I think it was 293 even um, on the equity rally on on Friday. Uh, very surprising to me. Well, you know, I sort of viewed that as, uh, well, we saw Treasury futures get a little bit of a lift, and uh, it seems like maybe that first kind of inkling of uh, investors starting to seek safety in the futures contracts. Actually, let's take a look at that move up that we saw as coincided with Scott's uh, pointing out rates coming off those highs that we saw last week. Uh, the TNX down below 3% again, but I've got the ZB. This is the longer dated uh, bond futures contract on the left. So again, when it's been trending lower, rates have been trending higher, but here you can see it bounced off a brief visit below 135 last week. I've got the 10-year futures on the right here. They got down to 117.08. Um, Scott, I guess I'm wondering, you seem a little bit down on the Fed in terms of their uh, not ripping the Band-Aid off, as you mentioned, not just kind of uh, Cut, the, cut to the chase uh, sort of a mindset, I guess. Uh, are they losing credibility recently from, again, the, uh, uh, you know, miss in terms of inflation, talking about how it was going to be transitory, ultimately to where things stand right now and uh, the behind the curve kind of argument that we've had multiple times now? So, so I don't want to be one of those pundits, Ben, that, you know, that just comes out and said, boy, did, did they just mess up? Because I was actually in their camp for a very long time. I thought they they navigated uh, the pandemic, you know, through through pretty much the end of twenty, you know, mid twenty twenty one. I thought they navigated it really well, and then they did not have the foresight, as they're supposed to be, to start, you know, really start taking the pedal off and 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 start really looking at this and saying, all right, it, it's time to make a shift here. And now that we're in that position, 
it seems to me like they're they're going about this almost making the same mistakes that they did on the opposite end mm. and and it you know rather that rather than getting aggressive which i think they need to do here they're just saying all right the 50 the 50 the 50 we don't necessarily want that the economy needs it i really think that they should just rip that bandaid off but i think that powell and 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 maybe the rest of the fed governors the fed president they're so concerned about what that's going to do to the equity market yet in the long run that may be what is actually best you know scott this was uh well unforeseen for many you weren't alone and I, I, you weren't alone in terms of uh being in the camp of sort of rooting on the transparency for example as the market was uh you know digesting expectations for rates on the rise but a difficult situation for them to navigate and i think uh, yep. considering uh, they're doing as good as they can in many ways there you know we could kind of uh uh you know scrutinize but Yellen told us a long time ago, as long as the COVID numbers are on the rise, we we're going to continue to see supply chain constraints, inflationary pressures. And while they started to ease here in the U.S. and they've gotten a lot better, I don't think anyone uh, foresaw what was playing out uh, in terms of China, the supply chain constraints based on lockdowns there and the impact that that's had. So can understand why we're still seeing these issues. Um, uh, Scott, in terms of, you know, and as we look at the indices coming off, and, well, recently the year low new year low prints with rates on the rise, the dollar and some of these headwinds we've been talking about, I guess, uh, and a good place to kind of end this uh, discussion would be with Bitcoin, a reflection of that, right? I mean, uh, last week below 30,000 briefly, it's now uh, seeing a move off those lower levels. But I think more so the point here is just the volatility. You can probably expect that to continue as a reflection of, again, investors' concerns, unease, and some of the factors, headlines, and fundamentals that we've been talking about. There's no question that volatility will continue, Ben. And I think what is what the last month, three months, maybe six months have 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 kind of told us about Bitcoin and about cryptocurrency is that the the whole thesis, that whole basis of the store of value and inflation hedge, I don't want to say it's been blown out the window because it's still a very, very short time frame. But that has really hit the confidence. That has hit mm. maybe the psychological nature of people trading, people investing in cryptocurrencies. And that is why, in my opinion, we are seeing such weakness now. Sell first, just like the equity markets. You know, it's no longer buy the dip and sell the rip here. That's going to continue in my estimation here. But again, Bit Bitcoin and cryptos, you know, it's still so young. It's still in its infancy. But when you when you get to a point here. Where, where this thesis has been made, the, the rationale has been made and is being disproven, if you will, even in just a short time frame right now, that's very hard for investors to digest. And that's why this volatility is absolutely going to continue. You know, you bring up a good point there, Scott, in terms of the move we've seen in rates as well, the magnitude, the speed thereof. I mean, we oftentimes uh, had the conversation about how that impacts investor sentiment as well. It's uh, something you can stomach if it happens over a longer period of time. Prices at the pump, for example. I mean, the rate we've seen those uh, spike here obviously impacts as well sentiment. Uh, again, just too much too fast. Scott, appreciate it. Can I add one more thing? Always. Quickly, Go ahead. Bitcoin. Thanks. So if you look at the fear and greed index for Bitcoin and crypto, which is kind of similar to the VIX index, right? It's that fear index. When the VIX gets really, really elevated, that's typically a time to buy the market. When 
The VIX goes really low, that's time to take some protection. Well, that fear and greed index in crypto right now is almost at an all-time low. Hmm. It is in the extreme fear. So maybe that is a, a turning point. Maybe that's going to be a point almost like what we look at with the VIX, that people are going to say, all right, you know what, what Buffett said, when there's fear out there, time to get in. Just something to throw out there. Scott, appreciate you joining us, sharing your Monday with us here on the TD Ameritrade Network. Thanks to you, Scott Bauer, the CEO of Prosper Trading Academy, helping us take a look at the financial market.